before we get started with this episode of the 55-1 podcast, I just wanted to say thank you to the 94 patrons who have been chipping in to the 55-1 Patreon page. If you haven't seen it, it's a way to help support the writers, editors, photographers of the website financially from $1 a month to even more. It does go a long way to helping us. If you like the independent coverage that we give of the NPSL North, of Minnesota United, giving you a podcast, uh, Des Moines Menace, all of these other teams across the North, please check out the 551 Patreon page. There's a link on the bottom of every article that we put out on the website. We've got a very special episode of the podcast here, so buckle in and uh, let's get on with the show. of the 55-1 podcast. My name is Jeff Reuter and uh, Wes Berdine is gone. Um, he is busy rubbing his bald head into my integrity right now after Ibsen once again turned in a good performance. So he's off. Instead, we're going to do something uh, a bit like the new Gorillas record where you only really care about the features. I've got a couple of friends in soccer that I brought on. Um, a little bit later, we're going to bring on Matt Doyle, MLS Soccer's armchair analyst. And we're going to talk a bit about Minnesota about what they should do in the summer transfer window, if Christian Ramirez should get a Gold Cup call-up, um, things like that. But first, in my apartment, actually, we have Steve Bernsconi, um, a former, <laughs> I don't know, uh, yeah, what, 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 we, what do you call me? Were we adversaries former during something. the Fort Lauderdale days? No, you were my ally, I think. You know, <laughs> I said that to you earlier. It's like I was in a weird position where how do I do my job? How do I keep my job and do it to the best of my abilities? While at the same time, uh, you know, keep my integrity and my moral compass intact. So I think that, that also led to to my decision to leave the club was mm-hmm. I just didn't want to be in that position anymore. Well, let's talk about what you've been doing since then. You're you're doing something that's known as the soccer tour. Yeah, very straightforward. It's a little yeah. on the nose. You wonder know, what it, wonder what it is. The soccer tour. Right. So uh, from my understanding of it, at least, I mean, it's going to be the entirety of 2017. Yep. And you're going to be bounce, you've been bouncing from place to place to place to market to market to market, um, looking at any soccer you can find from like a U6 co-ed team that doesn't know how to keep the ball. U7s. Okay, good. You have standards to MLS and everything in between. Everything in between, men's, women's. Yeah. So back in February, I basically loaded my belongings into a van, sold off everything else, and uh, decided to spend the next eight months on the road, going to as many games as I can, meeting as many people as I can. And, you know, it's kind of driving into the heart of uh, American soccer culture. Sure. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. Um, it's uh, It's been really cool to follow along with. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, and, and so what's the, uh, what's the final, like, are you thinking this is going to become like a, a vlog series? Are you going to try to make this into a movie, a book? Are you, are you not thinking no, about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not thinking about that. I'm really just trying to enjoy the moment, you know, if that doesn't sound too cliche. I think... Um, I didn't really have any goals when I set out for the tour, other than just the the straightforward. I want to go to you know one home game for every MLS team, mm-hmm. and then I just want to go to as many other ones as possible. Aside from that, I've never really paid much thought or attention to. Excuse me, mm-hmm. what does the future look like? Am I going to write a book? Am I going to make it into a movie? Can we adapt this to other countries? Is this something that maybe 
Vice Sports might want, or yeah, Kick, or Copa. Or Food Network. Right, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Oh, that's been a great part of the tour is the food. Yeah. Um, I haven't given too much thought to that. And, I mean, I might be completely emotionally uh, and physically drained by the end of this. I might not want anything more to do with it. Sure. Um, but I think at least the concept, I think if, if there's other people out there that want to go on a soccer tour, or if there's other people that are just curious about mm-hmm. um, exploring um, just the richness and diversity that we have in the game in this country if i can kind of open those doors and get that conversation started for other people to to do something like this um you know job well done so who knows maybe the soccer tour in the future isn't me it's it could be other people who knows fair so uh, i want to thank you for stopping in on particularly short notice yes Um, in this wonderful apartment that used to be a uh, Great Depression boarding Great house. Great Depression with the milk holes. People with the milk holes where yes. you can put the, the milk in. They've got an actual physical people on my door, things like that. It wouldn't open for me, unfortunately. Well, we'll work on it. Um, but Wes is out. And so this is your final junket in Minnesota, I guess. And then you're mm-hmm. taking off to I'm Cincinnati. Off. Yep, headed out of here. So what we do on this show usually is the good, the bad, and the weird, which is our weekly whip around. Oh, good. If it was good, bad, and ugly. I would fall in the last category, so I'm glad you're not doing that. You and I have faces for podcasting. so um, But I, I don't have a voice for a podcast, though, so I'm really screwed. Well, we brought you in here. So uh, flip books. Stick to flip books. Okay. Um, but what we're going to do, uh, we've got music by Big Quarters, as always. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. I, I've still got Steve on my couch. And when we come back, we're going to do the good, the bad, and the weird from his time in Minnesota on soccer. back to a special edition of the 55-1 podcast. I'm Jeff, and on my couch, we have Steve Bernasconi of the Soccer Tour. Woo-hoo. And so we are going to do a modified version of the good, the bad, and the weird, and we're going to look at your... How long were you in Minnesota? Uh, oh, man. Now I'm on the spot. Two, three days? Four days? So longer than Johnny Steele. So we're going to look <laughs> at your time Got in Minnesota, and let's, let's, let's do, start with the good, which okay. we usually do. Yes. Um, what has stood out to you compared to these other markets that you've gone to with Minnesota? Ah, uh, the people, Jeff. I'm not just saying that. No. Uh, I, I had heard of Minnesota Nice before I got here. Sure. It's a real thing. It really is. And someone said uh, the other day that you kind of have to be nice to live here. Kind of The weather kind of weirds out all the assholes. Yeah. And then they live in Florida with me. Yes. So I'm used to uh, dealing with a lot of shitty people. Thank you. People here are so nice. My and, Florida uh, actually ironically took on Johnny Steele. So. Oh, see, there you go. Look, so, he yeah. fits in well, probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I've been staying with, with Notch. Um, he's just a great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the help from people like yourself and Wes and whoever else, it's just been awesome. Uh, the access at the club with, uh, you know, going in the booth with Chris Lindholm and recording something for, for the ESPN radio show and nice. uh, Durkey hooking me up with a credential and everything. So... Um, yeah, my time here has been great, and uh, that's the good, is the people here in Minnesota. Okay, cool. Um, let's move on to the bad, then, and you can you can be as controversial or non-controversial oh, as you want to with this. The weather, as a Floridian. So non-controversial. No, okay. yeah, this is straightforward, right? It's too cold here. It really is. Okay. Even, um, I mean, it did get that cold, right? I mean, I saw a few people like wearing shorts and stuff. So yeah, no, it was 40, 45. Someone told me that it is not out of the realm of possibility that it could rain in May mm-hmm. and even in June. Of course. It's that been, scares the crap out of me. It can also rain in July and August if you want me to take it a yeah, step further. Yeah, rain, rain is fine, but snow. 
Oh, snow. Did I say rain? Well, yeah, I meant snow. Oh, okay, then I, was, oh, I messed up. I was yes. really confused. Someone, yeah, okay. no rain Someone told me it could yeah. rain. Or shit, I said it again. There you go. Someone told me it could snow in June yes. in Minnesota. It has. That's insane. It is insane. Why do you live here? Uh, that's a great question. Convenience mostly. It is beautiful. It's, a Delta it's beautiful too. It is. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's really beautiful. But yeah, the the weather um, as a Floridian, I don't know how to dress in layers. I don't know how to fight the cold, but I did for the uh, Minneapolis City game I went to. It was cold and it was rainy. Right. And somehow I, I managed. But uh, yeah, if I could change one thing about Minnesota, it would definitely be the weather. Okay. So then that's, that's totally separate from soccer culture here. Um, so you saw two games that were actually both in bad condition as far as the weather goes. Ah, uh, the United game wasn't too bad, was it? No, that's a good point. Yeah, it was it was done raining by then. Um, maybe a little chilly for you, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it wasn't raining then, but you went to the, the Minneapolis City game. So let's segue into the weird. Yeah, the weird. I think I know your answer. <laughs> Damn, it's everyone's answer. Damn, they're write, so weird. If you write a piece about Minneapolis City or the Dark Clouds oh, specifically, uh, you have to mention one thing. Oh. Which is which is what the cat memes? No, um, I did write a piece actually today on the dark clouds okay. and how they don't swear. So, um, which I loved because I've been to so many places and it's just too easy to to stick a curse word in here. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, what's the worst one? Is when the goal kick goes. Can I curse on this podcast? Uh, yes. Oh. You you hit the segue of every podcast. Oh, okay, good. The, the, and the so so you. Um, you know, the goal kick, and they're like, you suck, asshole. It's like, what is mm-hmm. that? That's so shitty. So to, to see a supporters group that doesn't fall back on that, using a curse word, just yeah. like as an easy out card, yeah. um, it was cool, and it was refreshing, and it made for a really fun environment, especially because rather than, like, heckle the goalkeeper by being mean and nasty, mm-hmm. they were heckling him by being fake sincere and congratulatory yeah. like he couldn't keep a goal kick on the field to save his life no and so they were just like um brian brian yeah or when he finally did keep it on the field everyone was jumping up and shouting like uh like he had just you know scored a goal so that was yeah. that was a lot of fun so the dark clouds yeah they're weird i like them um minneapolis city super weird mm-hmm. um that was just a cool vibe though at that place but yeah the between I don't know, being the crows or the grumpy cats and uh, some of the chants that their fans were doing, mm-hmm. like, uh, like uh, what they what they even sing? I don't even remember. Something to the whole Tom Jones, uh, what's, yeah, new, the what's cat. new grumpy cat. Yeah, yeah there yeah, you go. Yeah, 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 was, yeah, love that. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of weird people. Um, Are there a lot of clubs like Minneapolis City around the country that you've seen? Uh... Yes and no. I think Minneapolis. I think the really cool thing with Minneapolis City is they've done it completely differently than other teams. Okay. I mean, they got on my radar just because they were so insane. Like, just I mean, the weird logo that won like Chris Creamer's worst logo of the year award. Yes. And they're like celebrating yes. it like a trophy, and that's just hilarious. And they get bounced from the Open Cup. They're disqualified. So they print uh, undefeated shirts. Yep. And then just the Grumpy Cat stuff, the just the banter on Twitter. Like, they're, they're a funny bunch. So um, I don't I don't think anyone does it like them. There's a lot of, you know, fourth division teams that get that same level of support or attendance or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but their their social media game is, is better than probably anybody's. Sure. And so then... You think this city can handle both of the two of them? I think... Um, and maybe, I, I'm not necessarily yeah. talking about on the field. Obviously, no. there's a very big yeah. difference in MPSL and MLS. Absolutely. But the fandom. Exactly. And it's, it's to, to try to compare the two teams 
is it's not even apples and oranges. It's like apples and like grumpy cats and grumpy cats, right? So I think with Minnesota United, you get a major league atmosphere, you get a major league experience. You're watching quality players mm-hmm. in a big stadium. That's a great time. Mm-hmm. But I think kind of what I noticed going to Minneapolis City was it was it's it's minor league soccer through and through. And I think maybe for the people that used to go to the the Thunder or the Stars or even the United games at NSC, yeah. the the things that um, United can't offer anymore now that they've moved to MLS, sure. the access, the uh, smoke bombs. The, the chanting, the, the things that you can't do mm-hmm. in Major League Soccer, you can't do without approval. Um, I think Minneapolis City is, they kind of fill that that void that United left when they when they moved up. Sure. Okay. I can see that. Um, is this a place that you think you would come back to? Yeah, I'd love to come back. Um, okay. Not in the winter. Because I'd be completely Not in the honest. fall, not I'm, in the spring. I wouldn't, I think there would be people who would understand. I mean, it, Minnesota is a very acquired taste. Um, yeah. So then the atmosphere at the stadium at United, we've talked a, a lot about City. How was that compared was, to other MLS stadiums? It was cool. And that's one of the things that um, that I wrote about today was just how, uh, what was the word I used? It wasn't a good word. I used the word like unintimidating and then I went back and changed it. Okay. Um, Why? But I, well, because I, I didn't want people to get the wrong idea. Like you, it's not like an unintimidating atmosphere where like opponents come and get points, but more sure. like... You know, some supporter sections have really this like clicky, they're like a click. Of course. And you feel like an outsider or they're just overly aggressive or macho or just assholes or whatever it might be. And with the dark clouds, it was like, you know, standing next to some of these people, like I knew them for years and they were just fun and clever and mm-hmm. um, hilarious. So that was, that was the vibe that I really got from the dark clouds was just not taking themselves too seriously. Sure. I think supporters culture is cool, but I think because it's not the way, I mean, if you look at American sports and how we act in stadiums for a football game or a baseball game, we're told when to cheer and what we clap yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. So like supporters culture and soccer elsewhere in the world is nothing like that. So for us to kind of create our own supporters culture, it's kind of almost like we're playing a role. It's not really who we are and you're almost acting to uh, vulgar or whatever, just to kind of yeah. like make up this deficiency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not really who we are. And there was none of that with the dark clouds. It was just very authentic. It was very real. Mm-hmm. And it was just a lot of fun. I had a really good time there. Sure. Uh, last thing before I let you go, get on the road to Cincy. Um, let's talk trash about a market that you've left. Oh. Yeah, going back to what is the one thing that probably surprised you most? Maybe didn't live up to your expectations or really stood out as just bad that you've seen on this tour so far just bad i mean i don't i don't want to name any names because i think Fair. i haven't i haven't had a bad experience yet and i don't think i will and maybe that's just because i'm kind of like a an optimistic person yeah. and i could you know whether it's the the shithole that is rfk stadium <laughs> or the empty stadiums that is gillette stadium yeah um you can pull positives from everywhere and and especially when your team is bad or the experience isn't as good as others, like that's when you have to really applaud those supporters. When there's only, you know, a thousand, two thousand people in the building, or you're one of 15 supporters, like kudos to you. And I, and I, it makes me so mad when I see other supporters groups kind of like making fun of others on Twitter, like, oh, look at how small they are, look at how quiet they are, whatever. It's like, well, yeah. it's easy to be a supporter when it's the cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in a place like Detroit and you're in the Northern Guard, like that's cool. Yeah. And obviously you've built that, you've done a tremendous job and you deserve respect. 
But when there's a supporters group that only has 15 people and it's not cool and it's lame, um, you got to applaud those people too because it's not easy to show up. It would be so much easier to quit and stop going and stop supporting. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, you know, a, a lot of those MLS 1.0 clubs, um, they're not doing things the right way. They haven't adapted to where the game is headed. Um, but still, you know, kudos to their supporters. I've had a good time everywhere I've been. Um, and I'm, I'm just hopeful that some of these teams can kind of learn from what other ones are doing and, uh, and turn it around. Sure. Uh, well, you're off to Cincy. You've got a couple of former United players, Mitch Hildebrandt and Tyler Pollock. If you see him, say hey from Minnesota. You got it. Um, thanks for dropping by again. Thanks for having me. Minute. Thanks for the um, pizza. Thanks for the letting me see the, the milk hole and the bunker and all this other stuff. Especially the milk hole. Yeah. Uh, where can the good people find you uh, in the world? Because you're kind of all over the digisphere right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm all over. I'm, I've kind of narrowed it down. Like I, I didn't do Instagram for like a month because the app just wouldn't open on my phone. Smart. So in an act of defiance, I just said, fine, Instagram, I will just delete you and, and won't, you know. Um, but I've added that one back. Facebook, I don't really do much. But the best way is on Twitter. That is where I uh, talk a lot of shit and uh, post a lot of stuff. So it's just at the soccer tour. And if you want to watch my videos or sometimes read when I write some stuff, mm-hmm. uh, it's just the soccer tour.com. Easy enough. All right. Well, hey, thanks again for stopping by. Thanks for having uh, me, Jeff. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, uh, armchair analyst Matt Doyle. Welcome back to the 55-1 podcast. My name is Jeff Reuter, and I am joined by the Clive Barnes of Major League Soccer, uh, <laughs> the critic who can single-handedly make or break a fan's opinion of a club. Um, writes for Major League Soccer's website. He's written for Howler. I don't know. Where else have you written for, Doyle? Oh, let's just leave it at that for now. <laughs> okay, great. Anyway, it's uh, armchair analyst Matt Doyle. Matt, thanks for uh, jumping in on short notice. Really appreciate it. No problem. I promised Wes I would uh, break your stones about Ibsen, so I didn't want to miss my chance. (laughs) You dove in for that right away. You dove like Ibsen. I'm really impressed. Um, Two-footed. Two-footed dive, and you weren't shown a card. You were just kind of had Fotis just shake his head at you and walk away. Um, Let's actually dive right in to Minnesota United. So brought you on today to talk because you've been one of the biggest national soccer media proponents of Minnesota United while everyone else is gushing over Atlanta, understandably, um, you always kind of cheered for the little team that could. So for you, what drew you to Minnesota United before they'd even really filled out their roster? Uh, just to make it clear, I, I am neutral. I am in, I am in favor of, of two things, and that's good soccer, first and foremost. Um, and the second thing, the notion that there are many, many uh, uh, undiscovered gems floating around in the uh, domestic player pool. And by that, I mean both the U.S. and Canada. And, and so those two things kind of drew me to to Minnesota United. Also, just being a natural sort of asshole contrarian uh, also <laughs> drew me to, to to saying, like, wait a minute, where the narratives about Minnesota United are are incorrect. Right. Um, and they they built primarily at first with uh and and now uh once again with domestic talent so that was always going to sort of pique my curiosity Mm -hmm. they hired a coach who plays a style that i've always enjoyed in adrian heath um he uh, he really does encourage 
good attacking soccer. He likes to possess the ball. I know they're not doing as much of it as he wants at this right. point, but he, he's been able to be practical. And then the third thing, like I said, is I'm just a natural contrarian. And there's a there's a, a mindset in U.S. fans and, frankly, a lot, far too many U.S. executives and owners that the only good players are the players that you have to spend a lot of money on from either Europe or South America. Right. Uh, and, and American and and Canadian players will never be that quality. And I just think that's dead wrong. So <laughs> Minnesota United uh, going in a, a direction at, again, at first and now once again, where they sort of seem to value domestic players more um, w- was something that was always going to, to draw my uh, my support now they did ha- obviously have a blip with some <laughs> bad off-season purchases and a bad four-game run to start the season right and they took some shit for it but uh you know back uh, back in my good graces now well let's so. talk about that kind of uh shift because like you said once the domestic players started coming in the nasl heroes the brent Coleman's, the ibsons whatever um that's when the results started to turn now, with the summer call-up window, Minnesota United has a lot of guys who are going to factor into either World Cup qualifiers or the Gold Cup. Um, Francisco Calvo is a mortal lock to be called in for Costa Rica. Same with Kevin Molino to Trinidad and Tobago. If Johan Venegas finds his form again, probably Costa Rica. And um, we'll talk about Christian Ramirez a little bit later. But when you look at Minnesota United's roster, do they seem deep enough to you? Um, or is that something that really kind of worries you as they approach the summer? They are not deep enough, and I, I would be very worried about that if I was a Minnesota fan. And I think it's because they didn't spend their money well this off season. Uh, I, I think that there were more uh, players out there via domestic avenues that they could have gotten. I think, the, you know, the one good thing from my point of view this summer is that we'll get to see some Colin Martin probably, and he's a guy <laughs> who I don't think has gotten the chances that he should have in MLS. Uh, and I think there are more like him out there. But instead of finding guys like that, uh, <laughs> Vadim Demidov and and uh, Kadri and, and Alf Boj and, and uh, they're going to have to play some meaningful minutes. And and we saw back in March what happens when those guys play meaningful minutes. Right. So then who needs to step up? You mentioned Martin, but which players on the roster do you see as having not gotten the proper crack at it or um, maybe just need to up their game with the minutes that they're getting? Uh, I mean, Joe Greenspan is first and foremost, because if Calvo's gone, Greenspan is is likely to be playing significant minutes in central defense. Right. at, at the very least as the third defender. Um, I, I guess we could end up seeing Jermaine Taylor uh, take Calvo's minutes and, and play alongside uh, Brent Coleman, which I'm, I'm not a huge fan of. Okay. Um, but either way, Greenspan will have to play some. Yeah. Uh, Bashkim Kadri, if he's still there, will we'll obviously... I mean, he might end up playing next week, uh, given that Don Lottie has just picked up an injury. Right. Uh, I haven't seen enough of, of Jome, Jome. I, I don't know how to say his last yeah, name. Yeah, Jome. Yeah. Jome, yeah. I'm not sure there's much there. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, look, this is this is always the difficulty for uh, expansion teams. And, and um, ironically, I think Atlanta ended up doing maybe a better job 
with this kind of roster building, getting guys like Jacob Peterson, Jeff Lorenowitz, Michael Parkhurst uh, to sort of soak up those minutes, guys with real MLS know-how, know-how uh, so that when you're short a you know a starting caliber player or you need someone who could come in and be a starting caliber player, um, they have those guys who can do it uh, and who have done it in this league. Sure. Uh, let's talk about one guy who came from within the league, actually, and that's Bobby Shuttleworth. Um, goalkeeper is always kind of a strange position to analyze, but he's been playing, um, I mean, say what you will about the back line or any pieces among it, but he's been facing a lot of shots and he's kept a couple of clean sheets. If you're looking ahead, do you think that he can be the goalkeeper for Minnesota for the next two, three years as they start building towards a playoff contending team? Yes, Absolutely. Uh, this is the the Bobby Shuttleworth that we saw from late 2014 through late 2016. And I'm still not 100% sure why he lost Jay Heaps' confidence in in New England, but I guess they just maybe wanted to go with a a younger guy in Cody Cropper. Mm -hmm. Um, But Bobby Shuttleworth has been a a starting caliber keeper for a while, and in in late 2014 especially, he was more than a a starting caliber keeper. If you go back and you watch those Revs games, he was lights out. I mean, he was Lev Yashin for, for two months for New England and, and <laughs> until finally in MLS Cup, they lost to that great Galaxy team. So right. I, I, my rule as a if I was an, an MLS GM, my rule would always be don't uh, unless Manuel Neuer falls into your lap, do not spend any more than you absolutely have to. On, on goalkeeper mm-hmm. because the, the difference between the guys at the top of the league and the guys, you know, and then the bottom quintile are, are, it's not significant enough to justify going out and, and spending what they spent on Alphage uh, right. this winter. So that's step one. Keep, keep Bobby Shuttleworth for a couple of years. See if, if you, if you're not satisfied long-term, there's always a good keeper coming out of college available to pick in the twenties or thirties in the draft. And yeah. Oh, by the way, you should also be developing keepers in your, you know, in your own Academy pipeline, which I know they, they still have to get up and running. Right. Um, Alec Farrell this week, it was reported by Andy Greeter, the pioneer press that, uh, Adrian Heath is still monitoring Alec Farrell. He might be in the running to sign soon, but it looks like he's at least a month away as far as that prospect possibly. Um, so I'm going to let you play hero ball here for a little bit. Uh, Ibsen ball, whatever you want to call it. And <laughs> I'm just going to throw a ball at your feet and you decide where this conversation goes for the next five, 10 minutes. Um, Gold Cup is coming up before the summer transfer window. Mm-hmm. Once the summer transfer window hits, you're still hitting a... A major run of they have a lot of home games in the summer but obviously a couple of double game weeks in there too um and there's still a month or two to really figure out if this team is competing for that sixth spot in the west or if they're building towards 2018 so if you are in the technical staff and you're making the decisions Manny Lagos Namus McGee makes what are you doing with this Minnesota United team once July rolls around I am holding the line I I am not (laughs) I I hate to I hate to be this guy but you're not competing for the sixth spot in the west you're not going to make the playoffs because Mm -hmm. the Sounders are going to end up adding two pieces in the summer transfer window and they're going to get Roman Torres and Brad Evans and and Chad Marshall back Uh, and the teams ahead of you both in the line in the standings 
like sporting's not going anywhere. Right. Houston is going to come back a little bit, but I, I think they mostly have solidified themselves. Dallas isn't going anywhere. Portland's not playing as well as they, but like there's, there's just not enough wiggle room. Minnesota United is not going to be a playoff team in their first year. So what I would do if I was Manny Lagos and Amos McGee and Adrian Heath is see, you know, play Kalman and Calvo as many minutes as possible in central defense and see if they could make that work together. See if Ibarra and Ramirez and Molino and Danlotti can actually be the starting attacking foursome in one arrangement or another, whether it has to be a four, two, three, one, or a, you know, a four, four, two, or, or some inventive look, whatever you want to do with it. See if you can actually play those guys and collect points on the road in the heat in, you know, three ga- three games in eight days right. type of situations and, and hoard your money, hoard your allocation money Hoard your resources so that when you, winter comes and you can upgrade positions, you, you don't make the catastrophic mistakes that you made in 2017. Let it be a three-year plan. It doesn't have to all happen this year. And now that you've identified the core, you can be more targeted uh, come winter in terms of where you're adding pieces. And, I mean, one of them to me, has to be that central midfielder because I, I do think that Ibsen has given them good minutes. Uh, and I do think that Colin Martin is really, really good. But if you can get a DP who does for Minnesota, what Alex ring has done for NYCFC, uh, I mean, that, that is a move that you want to have the flexibility to make. Well, I, I'll tell you what, I think Minnesota had a guy, maybe not in the ring mold a little closer to uh, kind of what Chara is doing now that Guzman is there uh, and Rasmus Schuler, just kind of somebody who would be able to go box to box, somebody who does at least have a defensive mentality at times, uh, but moves the ball forward. Um, we haven't seen much of him because of injuries. He's got a hip flexor that keeps flaring up and on the turf that he's playing on every single week, that's not going to go away anytime soon. Um, that number eight spot, is that where you would put the focus of a designated player on uh, once winter rolls around? I think so. Uh, I, I think that's probably the first place I would look. But the, the next place I would look is somewhere in the attacking, in the attacking third. Sure. Because uh, as impressive as Dunlady has been at times, this is a guy who spent most of his college career injured, and oh look, he's injured again. Right. Uh, and, and as good as Ibarra has been as a two-way player. Uh, has he been as productive as the top wingers in MLS are? Certainly not. I think, yeah, I don't yeah. think so. So I, I think that those are the two big ones I would look at. But it, it's not just DP stuff. It, it's being smarter about how they use their TAM and, and GAM this offseason uh, and, and making sure that whatever scouting is done, um, that you learn from the mistakes of last year. Sure. Uh, well, let's talk about one area of the field that we've we both kind of danced around on purpose, which is striker. Um, mm-hmm. And let's talk about Christian Ramirez. Um, Gold Cup is coming up, obviously. Uh, there are a lot of deserving strikers in the pool, and you're assuming that the Dempseys and the Altidores might get a, a summer off as they're just kind of staying fresh for qualifiers. Would you call Christian Ramirez into your Gold Cup roster? Uh, it depends upon the situation. If the U.S. gets four points from the next two 
uh, World Cup qualifiers, mm-hmm. then we're we're kind of sitting pretty, and and we'll, you know, I'm not gonna say we'll have assured ourselves, but it, it'll be pretty close. Right. If we get less than that, which we probably will, because you know one of the games is at the Azteca, yes, then I think Bruce has to pick his Gold Cup roster with an eye towards building cohesion among the core group. So that might mean Dempsey. That might mean. Josie that might mean Bobby Wood even though he's trying to work his way through an injury and the same for Jordan Morris Um, and if that's the case then there's no there's really no room for for Christian Ramirez Um, but (laughs) if he keeps scoring goals he will make a, a very he will make a very good case for himself he will be hard to ignore and the other thing that that's working for him is that he's like the there's no confusion about what his role is. Yeah. You know, like this is not a guy who like, Oh, I'm not sure exactly where he fits. It's like, well, he fits in the center forward depth chart. He's, He's not behind. Morris. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like there's not, you know, in, in a lot of cases, guys who have flexibility, um, it works for them a little bit, but it also work against them. Uh, this is the opposite with Ramirez. There's no ambiguity. Um, you know what he does, you know how he fits, and you know what kind of look he will get. And I think that could actually end up working for him uh, this summer. Uh, so hopefully, you know, c- cross your fingers that the U.S. gets four points from the next two games. Right. Uh, and, for multiple and that, reasons, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, that, and that Ramirez keeps bagging goals, and then maybe you'll see him in red, white, and blue uh, come July. If you can only choose one, do you choose Christian Ramirez or Dom Dwyer? Oh, that's a good question. I, I think I choose Ramirez. I, I think because he's got softer feet, um, mm-hmm. and, and I do like his, I do like his movement in the area a little bit more. Um, I think he's a little bit more clever at finding those uh, little pockets of space. Um, but Dwyer does have a long track record of scoring goals, and he is just a workhorse. He he's willing to get on the ball in the absolute toughest spots and take a pounding and, and um that's why he's been successful in mls but mm-hmm. I, I i would give ramirez the, the edge by a hair okay yeah that makes sense uh last question actually comes from jacob bond uh who said today you said john paul sarge explains union fandom which mm-hmm. philosopher do you think minnesota united fans including jacob should turn to after the loons's loss on sunday oh isn't this more of a question for for wes <laughs> He's he's actually just thrashing in his chair right now, trying to shout the answer out into the podcast. But it's all you, man. If you've got one, uh, I, I don't know. I, gosh, you can't just spring it on me like this. I, I, <laughs> he mentioned you. In fairness, this this was hidden in your mentions. I'm sure. Oh boy, um, Kierkegaard. Sure, sure. Uh, I mean. I, I don't know if I want to go with like the meaning of values have been removed from your life and there's no true, there's no legitimate authority or anything, but yeah, we'll go with, we'll go with Kierkegaard. Uh, but I, I look forward to, to Wes parsing that and, and explaining why I'm wrong and, and what the actual answer is. All right, Matt. Thank you again for joining. Really appreciate it. Where can people find you on Twitter? It's not like they don't follow you already though. Yeah, it's uh, at Matt Doyle seven six uh, on Twitter, and you can find me uh, at ML- or, you know, all my writing and, and podcasts and videos are the Armchair Analyst series on MLSsoccer.com. Perfect. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again for joining.
Thanks for having me on. this Westless and Restless episode of the 55-1 podcast. My name is Jeff Reuter, and it's just you and me, guys. No one on my couch, no one through Skype. Huge thank you to Steve Bernasconi and Matt Doyle for joining me today. Um, it's been a really interesting episode to talk about, not just the culture in Minnesota, but then to talk about what's going on on the field with Minnesota United. It's been fun. So as always, I promise to take time for listener questions it's going to be weird because you're not going to get banter. You're just going to get my thoughts. But let's start off with Josh Thompson at Parkview Josh, who asked, well, he said <laughs> that he got a fun reaction from John Kempen yesterday regarding how he looked like Ivan Drago. Are there any other MLS movie villain doppel- doppelgangers? Whew. So he's not in Major League Soccer, but the first name that came to mind was Slavon Bilic, the manager for West Ham in the Premier League, who, when he grew his beard out, looked like Rasputin. And so he... You know, Yellow Van Damme, when he wears a suit, actually looks like a hitman. I mean, he's a big, bulky dude. He's bald. He's um, He, he wears a nice suit as well. So... Uh, I would say Yellow Van Damme as every Russian hitman ever in John Wick. Jacob Schneider at Jacob Schneider asks, does Birch still start over Davis, uh, Mark Birch, Justin Davis next week, or will JD get a shot after seeing Birch get toasted two weeks in a row? Uh, If it's up to me, I would start Justin Davis. I I I think you know what you get with Birch. Birch, I don't think has been that bad, I will say. I I think he's been the weak link on the back line a couple of times. Romain Alessandrini had a field day with him, um, but that's a winger of his quality. And Gerso Fernandez, Birch was able to contain fairly well. So I'd say he split the difference. That said, I, I, I think that you want to, I would rest Birch. I mean, he's not training every day anymore just because, you know, you got to make sure that these older players are still able to go. But I think that this week against probably one of Carlos Rivas, Matias Perez Garcia would be a decent week to run Davis out and see how he's been doing. I will say one other thing, actually. The passing between Calvo and Birch looked a little off in that LA Galaxy game, and so um, I'm wondering if that's going to be an issue. Paul Little asks, will Christian Ramirez win two golden boots this year, one for goals and one for own goals? Follow-up question, will having two golden feet affect his striking next season? I don't... It's tough to predict the own goal golden boot just because I don't really remember any player ever getting two in the same season. I think he's going to fall just shy of the Golden Boot unless he doesn't get called up for the Gold Cup and a lot of the names above him are on international duty. But I, I still think I'm... If I had to guess a number for Christian right now, he has seven goals in 11, 12 games. I think he'll hit 16 this year. So that's a, that's much better than I think some people were expecting in his first year in MLS, and he's certainly taken to the league with aplomb. Uh, Steve Lindley asks, where's Boshkin Kadri and is he with Elfie and Demidov? Uh, who I talked about last week being camping in Vermont. Boshkim is actually um, in the trunk of Steve Bernasconi's van off to Cincinnati right now to see the sights. Um, Matthew Mills at Kylo Mills asks, what is up with Calvo's eyes? It looks like they're red or irritated a lot of the time. I'm asking for my mom. No, I don't don't know. That's a really good question. I'm wondering if he's a guy who plays with contacts and then like maybe he sweats a lot and gets sweat in his eyes. I could definitely see that, Um, but I wouldn't worry about his eyes too much. Left Shark Nelson at Looney Trumpeter MN 
is asking about Turfgate. In the postgame uh, press conference or talking with a couple of us reporters, both Kurt Analfo, head coach of the Galaxy, and Yellow Van Dam, uh, hired hitman, said that the turf field was not up to par and that they were upset. I didn't see if they watered it before, and I know that sounds really petty because it obviously rained for the 36 hours up until kickoff for the most part, but there, were, there was a two-hour gap that turf is made so that water runs off of it quickly, which means even two hours after a thorough dousing of rain, and that field would go dry. So if it was not watered, that would be questionable, certainly. Steve Hamlin at Steve Hamlin 19 asked, have you gotten to episode nine of Master of None? And if so, how much did you panic? Well, I just got through eight uh, last night. So now I'm going to know to panic after nine. So thanks, Steve. Bryce at Bryce Connor double zero has Ibsen already won himself the Ballon d'Or. No, but he's won the fall on floor. Uh, Andrew Durkett asks, what's it going to take to win? Uh, hashtag panic, hashtag sacrifice something. You know, I think Minnesota has a fighting chance in this Orlando game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Adrian Heath is at the helm or not. There is a chance you're going to see Ian Fuller or Mark Watson step in for one game after Heath went on the field to retrieve a ball in about the 58th minute in frustration when it was a multi-ball situation. As of Monday night, when I'm recording this at 8.30, there has been no suspension issued yet. That said, whether it's Heath, Kevin Molino, or even Ian Fuller for that matter, they have ties to Orlando and they're going to be hungry to impress. Look, everyone wants to impress their ex, and everyone wants to show their ex that they're doing better after breaking up. And so for Adrian, I'll be curious how he handles the media this week. For Kevin Molino, I'll be curious where his focus is at. So it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting where that all goes. Mark Nissen says, how are you? But really, how are you? Like on a deeper level, this is a safe place. I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for asking. It, it's, been, uh, it's been an interesting few weeks here. There's a lot going on and a lot coming up uh, through the pipeline that I'm working on right now. So uh, check out for that. As far as the Minnesota United game, I'm going to predict... 2-1 win for Minnesota. Um, I, I, Orlando is just coming off of a really rough game where they lost at home for the first time to New York City FC. The fortress has been broken down. They're frustrated. There's been a lot of press and speculation about Kyle Lahren. He missed a PK. I think that he's in bad form right now. Uh, Kaká didn't quite look up to his usual. I, you know, so I think there are just enough factors where this is a game Minnesota can win which is good because I think that they definitely would lose the next week in Kansas City. So uh, this is an important game, not a must-win, but if the team is going to kind of pick up form and continue to be competitive week in and week out, they need to get points at home. Losing at home isn't going to cut it. Uh, if you want to be competitive in this league, getting draws at home more often than not also isn't going to cut it. That's shades of 2013-14 Chicago fire. So it'll be very interesting to see how this game goes. You can find me as always on Twitter at Jeff Reuter. Thanks for listening. Uh, please subscribe if you haven't yet. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play. If there's any place that you want to find us that you can't yet, uh, let Wes or I know, and we can definitely try to make that happen. So big thanks again to Steve Bernasconi and Matt Doyle. Thanks to you for listening, and I'll talk to you later. Bye.